Let's do this. Before we jump in, I want us to take a second to pray. Can you guys just bow your heads right where you're at? I don't want anyone on their phone, no one talking. Let's go ahead and bow your heads. As we were worshiping together, I was just being reminded of the beauty and the privilege it is that we get to, that we get to come directly into the presence of God. That when we sing, when we pray, that God the Father, God who created you, God who made this world, God who is all sovereign and powerful and has all authority, he hears us. He really hears us. He's not far off and distant. He's not preoccupied with other bigger things. He cares so much about you, your song, your prayers, your thoughts, the good things in your life, the really hard things in your life. And this morning, I don't want to waste time. I don't want to waste time just kind of coming here and going through a routine. I, I want us to just take a second just to kind of pause and, and realize the beauty and the, the amazing privilege it is that God is even here with us right now. Where two or three are gathered, there I am with them. That's what Jesus says. So I want everyone to close your eyes. Right, right. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. And between you and the Lord, I want you just to take a second to thank Jesus. I want you to thank him that, that he is with us in this room, that his very presence is inside of us. And I want you to take a second just to acknowledge and maybe just pray something simple like, Lord, help me to know that you are here. Lord, help me to remember that you are present with me, that you're near to me. Just between you and the Lord, take like 10, 15 seconds just to pray. Don't be distracted. If your mind kind of wanders, bring it back to maybe just saying the name Jesus. And then just, you can simply say, Jesus, thank you. Jesus, thank you for being with me. Thank you. Take 10 or 15 seconds between you and the Lord. Lord God, it is a privilege and a miracle that we get to be in your presence. And we know that we can only be in your presence and we can only come with confidence before the throne of the Father because of what you have done, Jesus, in paying for us with your blood. So God, I pray for my friends in this room that you would give us a beautiful reverence for you, that you would give us the gift of the fear of the Lord. Not fear that makes us kind of distant and scared of you, but, but a, a holy fear, a reverence and an honor that helps us to understand that coming into your presence is not something we deserve. We don't even have a right to do that within ourselves. Without you, we are sinners who deserve death. But because of you, Lord Jesus, and what you have done, you make a way for us to come right before the throne of God the Father to be heard when we pray and when we worship. So God, I pray that you would grip this, the hearts of the people in this room, and my brothers and sisters in Christ, that they would know that you are close to them. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. 
Amen. All right, friends, let's get ready to lean in, to pay attention. We're uh, continuing our series in Genesis and Revelation called Alpha and Omega. Everyone say Alpha and Omega. Alpha and Omega. And so the first week, first week we talked about how God is good. Everyone say God is good. Talked about the beauty of God's creation, what he has made, everything that God does, everything he says, everything about him. He is the very definition of good. And then in the second week, we talked about how God redeems. Everyone say God redeems. Everyone say God redeems. There you go. We talk about how God redeems and even in the goodness of the world that God made, it doesn't take long. It's in Genesis chapter 3 where Adam and Eve, they sin and they fall short. And we see immediately that God has a promise for redemption to make dead things and bring them back to life, to take what is broken and to make them whole. And today, our God statement this morning is Jesus conquers. Everyone say Jesus conquers. Jesus conquers. If you're taking notes, I want you to write that God statement down at the top. I've, I've voiced this a few times, but I want, to, I want to encourage you guys, come and take notes. Taking notes is one of the best ways to remember things. You're going to hear like a billion sermons throughout your life, teachings on, the, on scripture, and it's really hard to remember. So coming and taking notes so we remember is really, really important so we can rightly understand the word of God. But today I want to talk about this God statement, Jesus conquers. If you have your Bible, I want you to turn to Genesis 4 real quick. Genesis 4, we're going to start in verse 2. This is a familiar story. I'm going to go through it nice and fast. This is the first murder we see in the Bible. Genesis 4 verse 2 says this. And again, oh wait, we're starting in verse 3. Are we in verse 3? Okay. Well, you can go back, Joey. Let's just start in verse 3. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel, his brother, also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. Everyone say fat portions. You're like, what does that mean? It was something sacrificial and costly. Abel was coming and bringing the best of what he had, not just the leftovers. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry. Everyone say angry. So Cain was very angry and his face fell like some of you when you didn't get your donut of choice. I'm sorry. It, it is what it is. Verse 6. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why has your face fallen? He said, it's because I didn't get my Krispy Kreme glazed. I'm just kidding. Verse 7. If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, listen to this. Sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you or its desire is towards you, but you must rule over it. Pay attention to that. You must rule over it. Verse 8, Cain spoke to, his, to Abel, his brother. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother and killed him. And flip over to the very end of your Bible in Genesis, or sorry, Revelation chapter 2. Revelation 2, starting in verse 2. This is in a part of the, the, the letter that's written to the church in Ephesus, and this is what it says. Jesus says to the church, I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance. Everyone say patient endurance. Patient endurance. Now how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but I've tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. Look at your neighbor and say, don't grow weary. And you have not grown weary. But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent. Everyone say repent. Look at your neighbor and say, repent, bruh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Repent. 
and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Yet this you have. You hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Verse 7, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, everyone say conquers. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. So what, what's happening in these, in these passages? Let me ask you a question. Have you ever achieved a really, really epic victory before? Or like did something really, really difficult? Raise your hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good job, good job, good job. Good job. Like, like something that's one of the most rewarding things in life is when you go into something that you know is going to be really, really difficult and like you're able to do it. You persevere and you make it through. Like maybe it's like studying for a test you know is about to be like horrible, right? Like, and you are just studying your face off like, I hope I don't fail this. Like, let's see. And you end up doing really well. That ever happened to one of you guys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of you guys are like, I'm never done well on a test. It's okay. It'll come. Work hard. Well, like, like there's, there's such a beautiful reward or maybe like you put in tons and tons of practice and rehearsals towards like a performance or like you win a really, really big game. Who, who are my athletes in this room? You know what I'm saying? It's like you put in all that work and you get into a game where it's like everything is on the line and you end up winning. It's one of the best feelings ever. I remember my sophomore year of high school, we were in, our, in the state championship playoffs, and, and we were playing in the first round. It was the quarterfinals, and, and so we were playing against this team up from Denver. And so my school, we were from Colorado Springs, and so we drove up and we played at Denver University, and we walk into the gym, and it was like, we had like, maybe like some of like our parents, like a few fans over on our side, and so like they were over on this side of the gym, maybe like, maybe like 75 people. On the other side of the gym, it was packed out. Have you guys ever been to Denver University's like gym or like arena? Maybe a few of you guys. Okay, it seats like 7,000 people. And so this side was almost like completely full. So there was probably at least like 2,000 maybe of their fans all, all there. And they were like decked out in like, in like black and red, their team's colors, and they were loud. Like they were, they were loud. Like they were like the greatest hype section ever. The only problem was it wasn't our fans. It was the other teams. And so like we go in and it's like loud and like we're going into this game. Like this is about to be tough. We're, the school we were playing was higher ranked than us. And so we start the game and within the first quarter, we go down by 15 points. And it's like, well, this is basketball, by the way. Who plays basketball in here? There you go, there you go, there you go. Okay, we, we go down 15 points. Some of you guys are like, what sport is he talking about? Like soccer, if you go down by 15 in like the first like few minutes, you're, you're, that's very, very bad. But we're down by like 15 points in the first quarter and going into the second quarter, we continue to struggle and it's like, we are, we are just doing bad. Their fans are going crazy. Like it was like one of the hardest environments ever. But at the very end of the second quarter, we had like this turnaround moment where, where we're dribbling down the court and there's like a few seconds left and, and our best player, he like just pulled Pulls up from half court to beat the buzzer, sinks a three from half court, and like that's how we went into halftime. And it was like a bit of a spark, right? Okay, like we can do this, we can do this. And we go into the second half, and we ended up winning that game by 25 points. And like we got out of that game, and it was the most epic feeling because we went into something where it was really, really difficult. Where it was like it was so hard to get through that game because it was a struggle because the other team was bigger, faster than us, and we ended up overcoming. In a similar way, what Jesus is calling his church to do in the book of Revelation is to conquer. I would say conquer. 
It sounds super epic, right? It sounds like, like, you're, like we're like warriors or knights or something, right? It's like we are called to conquer over sin and the enemy. And what we see is from the very beginning in Genesis 1 and 2 that, that we are called to, to help have dominion over the earth and to lead, right? But it, it doesn't take long. It's Genesis 3 where we see Adam and Eve fall into sin. And then in Genesis 4, Cain and Abel, we see the first murder in Scripture. And we see God give this warning to, to Cain, right, where he says, hey, sin is crouching at your door. That word for, for crouching in Hebrew is literally like, like a wild animal waiting to pounce. Like sin is waiting to overcome you, to, to, to kind of get your foot and to go for the kill, right? And what we see is that in Genesis 4, what God tells Cain before he goes and murders Abel, he gives him a warning and he says, hey, you must be careful. Sin is crouching at your door and you must rule over it. Everyone say rule. You must rule over it. You must conquer it. You must overcome it. And in a similar way, what, what Jesus is saying to the churches in the book of Revelation is, is for them to be able to endure, to be able to keep following Jesus, even through trial and suffering and temptation, is that they must conquer sin and the enemy. Everyone say conquer. Now let me, let me ask you this question, because when we kind of talk about this idea of like conquering sin and not falling into, into temptation, a really important question for us to answer is why does Jesus want us to conquer? Why, why does Jesus want us to conquer sin? Because if we don't actually have a good reason, then it's really easy for us as Christians just to try to do like everything right. You know, it's like, okay, I'm going to try not to, like, sin. I'm going to try not to say these things, like, kick my little sibling in the shin and not, like, be disrespectful to my parents and do my best. And like, it becomes, like, a list of do's and don'ts. We have to ask ourselves this question. Why does Jesus want us to conquer sin? Everyone say, why? I want everyone paying attention. No one on your phones unless you're taking notes. Put them down. Put them down. Why does Jesus want us to conquer sin? Okay, what, what I want to propose to you is that Jesus wants us to conquer sin because God hates sin. Everyone say, God hates sin. Yeah, yeah, God doesn't hate too many things. God really hates sin. And why does God hate sin? It's because from the very beginning of Scripture, what we see is that sin destroys our world. I want you to even think about like, what, like the sin that you see maybe in your school. In, in the life that you live, maybe in our country or around the earth. Like we know that sin leads to, to death and to wars and to bullying and to isolation and to like so many terrible things in our world. It's because of sin. It's an ugly disease, right? It's an ugly disease that destroys our world. And so we see that Jesus wants us to conquer sin because he hates sin. Are you with me? Are you with me? I want everyone looking up at me. I see a lot, of, a lot of eyes down. I don't think most of you are taking notes. Fellas over here, hey, look at me, look at me. Wake me, look at me. All right, I want you guys to pay attention, pay attention, all right? So what we see is that Jesus wants us to conquer sin because he hates sin. He hates what it does to the world we live in. So now we have to ask ourselves this question, well, how do we conquer sin, right? Have you guys ever felt discouraged by like trying to overcome temptation? Yeah? Like maybe, like maybe you know, like, yeah, I want to be a Christian, I want to love people. And like you get home from church and it's like this thing called a little sibling enters the room. And you're like, I'm not conquering sin anymore, right? Like, like, you, like you, you go into like a sports game and like you're really competitive and you start to lose. And it's like, I tried the whole Christ-like thing, I'm getting mad, right? Any competitive people in here? I'm with you, I'm with you. Like, like well, it doesn't take long to see that like, like conquering temptation and overcoming sin is really, really difficult. 
And what we see is that, that actually in Scripture, what it tells us is that the way we conquer sin is simply by coming to Jesus. Look, look at Revelation 2, verses 4 through 5 again. This is what Jesus is saying to the church as he's calling the church in Ephesus, a specific church going through specific problems at a specific time. I'm going to say specific. There you're with me. There you go. He, he is warning them and calling them, hey, I want you to, to come back to loving me with your whole heart. And this is what Jesus says. It's this. Do we have it up there? Oh, Joey's coming. You're good, you're good. Okay, Revelation 2, 4 through 5, it says, But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent. Everyone say repent. Repent and do the works you did at first. What we see Jesus calling the church to is this practice of repentance. Now, repentance is one of the most important things that we as Christians need to practice. Everyone say need. We need to practice repentance. Because you see, repentance is simply this. It is simply us coming to Jesus. Simply us coming to Jesus. And what we see is that as Jesus is kind of warning the church, hey, I want you to love me with all of your heart. I want you to go back to loving me how you did at first. What we see is he calls the church to repent of their sins. Because the reality is, is that, that we are unable to conquer sin by our own willpower. You ever tried really hard, like, to, to do something that you couldn't do? Yeah? Like, like you tried really, really hard, you give all of your effort, and it's really frustrating when we can't do it. And Jesus is saying, hold up, hold up, I'm not telling you to do this by yourself. But Jesus' invitation to us is to come and to repent. Now what, is, what does this mean? What does this look like? What this looks like is that when we fall short, it's really easy for shame to be the first thing we feel, right? Everyone look at me, everyone look at me. Like it's really easy when we as Christians, when, we, when we're trying to follow Jesus and live in holiness and, and be sanctified to look more like Jesus, that when we fall short, it's really easy to feel shame to feel so guilty and to feel like a failure. And I'm supposed to be able to do all these things. And when you fall short, it's really, really discouraging. But pay attention here. That, that Jesus' command to the church is not get your act together and do everything right. No, no, he says, hey, I have this against you. You have forsaken the love that you had in me first. So what, I, what do I want you to do? I want you to repent. Repentance means that we will fall short. Repentance means that we will make mistakes. Repentance means that God knows that we are incapable of living sinless lives, right? What is Jesus' invitation to us in that? He tells us simply to come to him and repent. Look at this passage in 1 John verse 1, or chapter 1, verse 9. Put it up, Joey. You with me, Joey? 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. Here we go. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Friends, hear me. God wants you to repent because he wants you simply to come to him. And when you come to him in repentance, he will not turn you away. He's not going to be looking at you and it's like, bruh, that's sin again. Really? Like, this is like your 18th time, bro. Like, stop kicking your little brother in the shin. Like, like, no, no. Like, when we come to God in genuine repentance, he wants to forgive us. He wants to cleanse us. Are you with me? Are you with me? So, so the way we conquer sin is by coming to Jesus in repentance. 
But we also see this, is that, that in this world, we are, we are called to conquer and overcome the evil that we see in this world. Right, because sometimes we, there's evil in, in our lives because we sin and we fall short. We do something that is against God. What we see Jesus say in the Gospel of Matthew as someone comes to Jesus and says, Teacher, what, what is like the most important commandment? We see this passage in Matthew 22 where Jesus gives this beautiful command. Joey, do we have it? I went a little bit out of order. Matthew 22, it's going to be before. I'll just summarize it. So what, what Jesus says in Matthew 22 is this. As they come and ask, what is the most important commandment? He says, love the Lord your God. Everyone say, love the Lord. Everyone say, love the Lord. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And, he says, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So what Jesus is simply saying is that our call is to love God and to love each other. Everyone say, love God. Love each other. We are called to love God and to love each other. And so anything outside of that is sin. And when we do anything outside of that, when we do not love God with our whole heart, and when we do not love our neighbor as ourselves, we sin. The, the Hebrew word for sin is this word chata. Everyone say chata. Oh my gosh, that was amazing. You guys sound like Hebrew scholars. I would remember that when I was studying because like chata and like sin, it's like if you sin, like you go to a place that's very like hot. You got it, you got it. Like, and so like, what we sin is, sin simply means to miss the mark or to miss the goal. And Jesus makes it simple. He's saying, look, the entire goal of your life, the reason why you are created is to love me with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and to love your neighbor as yourselves. This is our calling. But also there's, there's a type of overcoming that doesn't have to do when, when we're sinning or falling short, but overcoming the evil that we see in this world. Cheese, you can go and come on up the keys. I think if you're to be honest with yourselves, everyone look at me, everyone look at me. Everyone look at me. That there's a lot of evil that you face in the world that isn't because of, of sin that you've committed. It's not something that, that you, have, you have done. It's just the reality that we live in a broken, sinful world, right? And like all you have to do is like, like look out there's there's brokenness in this room and there's brokenness all over the world when you go into school right you see you see people who are being bullied and mistreated maybe maybe you're the one where sin is being done to you so you're isolated you're bullied you're you're feeling left out maybe you have a really broken family situation and maybe like going home is like one of the most difficult things for you because because your parents are going through divorce and it feels like there is just like war and tension at your home. Maybe your relationship with your siblings is terrible. It's like all the times, butting heads and fighting. It's like, like maybe like your home life is really, really difficult. Maybe you're getting made fun of for being a believer, for being a Christian. And you might be asking this question, like, okay, like, yeah, Pastor Taylor, I know like, like I, I, I could conquer sin and temptation, but like, but I'm having a really hard time just because like the world we live in is really evil. Do you guys agree with that? Like you look at our world and it's like, you look in our country, you, like you look in our city, you look in our, in our world. It's terrible things are happening. What do we do with that? How are we as Christians able to endure? How are we as Christians able to continue in patient endurance? What we see Jesus calling the church to in Revelation 2 
is to endure. I'm going to say endure. It's to endure. It's to stay faithful. Jesus saying, hey, I want you to continue to love me the way you did at first. Maybe some of you, you remember what it was like when you first fell in love with Jesus. Maybe like a moment when it went from like being a cute story to like a truth, right? Where you understand like, oh, like this whole Christianity thing isn't just like a cute Bible story here on Christmas Eve and Easter. Like this is, this is truth. And maybe since then or over, over the last few months, over the last few years, like attention from people around you, being cool, being popular, being a really good athlete, being, being all these other things like took priority over Jesus. And Jesus' invitation to you is, hey, my son, my daughter, I want you to love me. I know you're going to fall short. And I know that the world you live in is difficult. I want you just to stay faithful. Stay faithful. Stay faithful. And this is why. Look at this passage in Romans 8. Romans 8, 37 says this. We got it, Joey. It says, no, in all of these things, we are more than what? In all these things, we are more than through him who loved us. Keep that up on the screen, Joey. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Friends, hear me. Who you are as a son or a daughter of God is that you are a conqueror. You might be like, well, what does that mean? Like, I feel like I'm struggling. I feel like I can't overcome sin. Like, and there's, I can't overcome and, and stay faithful to love God. How am I a conqueror? I'll tell you why. Because Jesus has overcome and conquered for you on your behalf. Everyone look at me. Jesus has overcome on your behalf. He did what you and I were supposed to do, but we can't do. In order for us to have a relationship with God and to overcome sin, we'd have to live sinless lives. And I don't know about you guys, I haven't lived a sinless life. I'm pretty sure you haven't either. And the reality is, is that without Jesus, we can't conquer sin. We have no hope of enduring until the end. But because of Jesus, what he has done is he has conquered the enemy and he has made a way so that he can be with us even when we face trial and tribulation, when we face suffering and temptation. We are conquerors. Not because of our strength and our ability, but because of what Jesus has done for us. Knowing all these things, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. Look at verse 38. It keeps getting better keeps getting better. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, keep going, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, listen, will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Drew, you can go and turn on the lights. Everyone look at me. Look at me. Look at me. I want you to know this morning that even in the, the trials you're facing and the temptations you're facing, in the midst of suffering, in the midst of really hard things in your life, you are more than a conqueror through him who loved you. Why? 
to what this verse is saying is that nothing in all of life, no rulers, no powers, no height, no depth, nothing in all creation can separate you from God's love. So this is what I want us to do. And I want to call you guys to pay attention, to be mature. I believe this time can be really beautiful. But I'm trusting you guys here. I want everyone to go ahead and stand up. And this is what I want us to do. Shh, stay quiet, stay quiet. Because I want us just to get in groups of two. Three at most, no more than three. Once you get in your group of two, max three, I want you to just kind of spread out in this room. Move fast and, and stay quiet for me. You can stay right where you are. You can kind of spread out around the room just so you can hear each other when you pray. Shh. As you guys spread out, this is what we're going to do. I want us to take time to pray over each other. Simply just to pray over each other. Now some of you, like you heard that and you're like, oh my gosh, it's terrifying. I don't know how to do that. It can be really easy. It's really simple. I want you to, to pray over the person in your group. And I want us to simply ask this question. What do you need Jesus' help in overcoming Simply that. What, what do you need Jesus' help in overcoming today? Maybe it's, maybe you can be honest and vulnerable. I want to encourage you to do that. If you're suffering with like a specific temptation or maybe a specific sin that, that you want to be able to walk in victory and freedom from, you can open up and share that. Or maybe you can be honest of like, hey, this is what's going on in my life. My, my family situation is really hard. Or this thing in school is, is really, really difficult. If that's you, then I want you to share that. And I want you guys simply just to pray over each other. To pray over each other in that area of brokenness, in that area of difficulty. Of, hey, this is where I need Jesus' help in conquering and overcoming. And I'm, I'm empowering you guys and, and calling you guys to be mature and to take this time to really pray over each other. Because the reality is that God hears your prayers. And when you come together, you can give encouragement to each other. So I want you to listen to each other. And I want you to pray over each other. I want you to like take the next two or three minutes to do this, okay? Like don't just be like, what's your name? What do you need in prayer for? Okay, God help them. Amen. Like I, I want you to really listen. I want you to really like lean in and come alongside of them. And ask, what do they need Jesus' help in overcoming? So let's take two or three minutes to do that, and we'll come back together.